The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. God is the author of relationship, amen? When we think of relationship many times, we look at it through the prism of our own perspective, our own experiences, but God is the author of all relationships. And today, today's message is one that really has challenged me, has made me think a lot with regards to relationship and God's perspective of things. Uh, It's challenged me personally, so I'm praying my prayer is that it will challenge you as well and speak to your heart and life. At this time, I would encourage you to open up your Bibles and your tablets, if if you can turn on your tablets if you'd like. Take notes as the Holy Spirit is in this place and ministering to our hearts and lives. There will be certain things that maybe the Lord will just speak to your heart and just challenge you with as he's challenged me. So as God is the author of relationship, this one thing stood out to me, and I started thinking to myself, and and God challenged me with this statement. He said, he was like, what are you striving for? And I was like, well, okay, you know, what am I willing to sacrifice and give myself for? So as I was doing that, this picture came to me. So how many of us are caught up in the rat race of life? Yeah, yeah, you know, we could be honest. Some of us would sit back and say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm not really, you know, that's other people. That's not, that's not so much me. So I had this picture. I mean, now we live in, in a modern day and modern technology where we have tablets and phones and we can sync our calendars. So I can sync my calendar with my wife's calendar, my kid's calendar. I can know what everybody's doing just in the palm of my hand. And uh, as I was kind of thinking about this, you know, in this modern day with technology, I have this great, I can't, I'm not going to promote it. A cool calendar here. Uh, they make really good chicken sandwiches in this place. But um, so I started thinking of our family calendars. How many people have family calendars? Yeah, you know, you, we have, like I said, we have electronic versions, but this is old school a little bit. But, you know, we start off with, you know, each day, each week, it just is busy, busy, busy. Then we go very busy. Then it gets busier. Then it's the busiest. Then we're still busy and we're just keep on going. You ever feel that way? You feel like, you know, you ask yourselves if, with your family, like, what, what's on the agenda for tomorrow? And then you're just, you think, when do you get a day to take a break? And then it carries on, and you're caught up in the rat race, and then you're busy, and then there's not enough time, then you're still busy, and then we just have to ask ourselves. But sometimes it takes years for us to come to a place of asking ourselves, what am I striving for? What am I giving my life for? It reminded me of a parent. I have uh, three boys and a, uh, and a little girl who's just turned is 11, and my my boy, my third-born boy, just turned 14. Hard to believe. Well, my here, I'm gonna put this down here because can't get it to stay up there. But um, you know, it, I started thinking to myself. You know, when I was for, when I was a when uh, my firstborn was born, I just we got him plugged into baseball, and we you know started following that path of you know getting little league and t-ball and all that stuff. And you know, we thought we had a busy schedule, you know, until that started. And then we had three, three kids all playing sports. But I had this picture of what many parents that I met over the years of from T-ball all the way up to high school ball. And, you know, parents that, you know, inv- invested in their kids and they were, they, you know, in T-ball years, they were always like, you know, they would put pressure on the coaches that hey, the coach was going to like mess up their kid's life growing up because in T-ball they didn't swing the bat the right way and, you know, they'd stress out and, and it t- t- got me, gave me this picture of, 
when we live in accordance to the rat race of life, and we, ha we don't ask ourselves what we're striving for, we can get ourselves in a situation that can be kind of challenging. And I remember this few, a few situations similar to this where parents, they started off in T-ball, went to Little League, went from Little League to Minor League, Minor League to Major League, and they were just investing in their kids all the time. And once they got into minors and majors, they said, you know something, I'm going to get my kid into travel ball, and we're going to just, we're going to go. And they were, every weekend they were booked and they were going, and their calendars were mapped out from the beginning of baseball season to the end of baseball season. And through it all, they just invested and sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed to play ball. I love playing baseball. I do. I played softball for many years. But when I would many times hear some of these stories, it always challenged me when at one point, sometimes the young person who would now be in their senior year of high school or maybe their junior year would just say, I don't want to play ball anymore. And they would turn around and you, the parents would be like, well, what do, you, what do you mean you don't want to play ball anymore? You know, I've invested all this into you and I've sacrificed financially, emotionally, so you can do this. And a child would say, I'm not interested anymore. But then other scenarios where I would see parents that would sacrifice and give all, they would sacrifice finance and time and even their own marriage just so that they could achieve this thing of one day playing college baseball for their kid? When do we stop and hit the brakes and say, what am I striving for? You know, most of us, you know, we can hear a message like this, but until we make it personal, nothing changes. And I think that's the message that God is starting and stirred in my heart. And it started as I was thinking about this message for today. It was simply that, is that what are we really striving for? What are we willing to sacrifice and give ourselves for? That little, don't get me wrong, investing our kids in sports, is not, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as our priorities are right. How do we change? And in the scriptures today, we're looking at the book of Daniel. How do we get to a place where we go beyond our desires, our selfish desires? We get beyond the rat race. We, begin, we go beyond being consumed with our personal life and our schedules. We go beyond being consumed with politics and the economy and the church. And we go beyond just the becoming consumed with the things that happen within our society. Something has to change where we ask ourselves with our free will that God so richly has blessed us with. We say, why am I doing what I'm doing and why am I striving for these things? There has to come a place where we ask ourselves these questions. Uh, Dr. Felms, for, Dr. Felms, uh, he's, he taught a, uh, he, he created a program called uh, 123 Magic. We teach it a lot with parenting skills and that kind of stuff that I do when, out in the, and in the, in where, where I work with, uh, in the community. And, and one of the, this one line that he has, I always liked, he says, you know something, by nature, and he's talking about early childhood, so this is like birth to like five. He says, he says you know, by nature, children are selfish. <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I was reading that, I'm teaching this, and I'm going, well, that's a, that's a good line. And you say, well, what, 
you know, most of us would turn around and say, no, my little baby. Oh, he's not selfish. She's not selfish. She's a you know, but when we come to the point of realizing that there's a part of us that when a little one is little, they're striving for, they're learning information, they're, they're striving to grow. But by nature, there is that challenge. And that come, brings us back to our root nature. And that is that sin nature that we struggle with. How do we go from being, but from, from evaluating what we're striving for to coming to a place of saying, you know something, by nature, when we get consumed, when we put God to the side and we get consumed with the, the busyness, the rat race of life, uh, it, when we get consumed with building our own kingdom, what ends up happening is that we end up putting ourselves in a place where we become selfish where that sin nature just comes out. And you can say, well, Pastor Ray, I accepted Jesus Christ a long time ago, so I don't deal with selfishness anymore. But my friend, the flesh nature is the flesh nature. and we, There is a nature within us that, that we have to tame and we have to put under the cross, under the blood of Jesus, and we have to commit to God and say, God, change this in me so that this nature isn't something because, God, you created me a new creature in Christ, so that selfishness doesn't have to rule my life anymore. But we overcome it through who? Through Jesus Christ. So how do we get to a place of living this life and not being consumed with that selfish desire. Well, let's look at the scriptures today. We're going to look at a passage in Daniel chapter 5, verse 23. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. It says simply this, Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Now, this is Daniel speaking to Belshazzar. You had goblets from his temple brought to you, and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. So what happened here in this passage of scripture is simply this. So uh, Belshazzar, who is the son of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar ended up uh, taking goblets, gold cups, uh, bronze from the temple of the Lord. Uh, and they took it, he took it into this party and this gathering. So this is where Daniel's kind of giving us a little breakdown. He says, you praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. See, a little bit of history about Belshazzar is that he's the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, most of us know Nebuchadnezzar because the last few weeks we'd be talking about Daniel. We were kind of walking through this. So Belshazzar was, uh, he inherited the kingdom. So he didn't really have to work for it. He didn't have to labor for it. He didn't have to really invest in it. It was something, it was a birthright. It was passed down to him. So he received that, but he never had to pay the price for it. And in that, he comes to a place where he is, he has status, he has power, he has wealth. But he got to a place where he put all his invest, all his belief, all his, his pride in what he had. The challenge in this story is that Belshazzar didn't learn from the past. So this awesome story in chapter 5, and if you have time, I really encourage you to take some time and read it. He, he pulls these individuals together. He pulls the nobles and others together, and he throws a party. The scripture says it was about 1,000 people who brought together, and they took these cups, and they just had a, really, a party. 
So they're sitting there and they're drinking, they're, they're drinking from, and they use the gold and the cups from God's temple. So, so in a way, it was almost like disrespecting God. So, but they were confident in who they were. So what ends up happening in the chapter five, which was very interesting, was that he's challenged by Daniel. And, he, and this, in, as you open up in the first few verses of the passage, he says simply this. He says, a hand... As, as the party was going on, the king was watching and a hand appeared. And I love this part in verse 6 and, and, and just, he says, his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. I was reading that. I was like, can you imagine that? You imagine being at a party? And you're disrespecting God and you're just trying to live your own life and do your own thing and say, oh, God, you're involved. And at the end of it, and then a hand shows up. When, how would you all take that? <laughs> so I'm reading that. I'm going, holy moly. I'm like, but he, he, he's, his face turned pale and his knees started knocking. And here he is with all his thousand people. They're having a party. And the story continues that he then went to a place where he said, all right. He went to the nobles and the others. He said, gather all the magicians, all the seers, anybody. And, and, and at the hand, when it was right, it wrote three words on the wall that brought a fear into Daniel or into, into Belshazzar. And it's interesting that at that point, how many of us would turn to God and say, and, and just like fall on our faces, just be like, God, oh, uh, you know, here I am, have your way, you know. But Belshazzar didn't. He, he called the magicians, he called the seers, he said, who can interpret this? And they came out, and they looked at it, and they couldn't figure it out. See, Belshazzar ended up looking to what he knew. He looked to what was comfortable to him. But then someone said there was a man named Daniel who was a seer and who, has, who was the chief of the seers under Nebuchadnezzar. And I found it interesting that Daniel was called out to bring solution because there's something powerful that happens when we humble ourselves before the Lord, when we listen to what God is trying to say to us, and we say, God, if I humble myself before you, you will lift me up. But that's contrary to our nature because our society tells us that what do we have to do? We have to strive to succeed. We have to, you know, uh, God blesses those who bless themselves. That philosophy. And I say, you know something, there's a part to this where if we put God first and we humble ourselves before him, he does lift us up. He will lift us up when we put him first. Does that mean we don't have to make decisions for our lives? No, that doesn't mean that. But it means there's something powerful that happens when we take our free will and we submit it to an almighty God. And we say, God, have your way in me. What do you want to do? And it was interesting because just this morning we were having this conversation off to the side. We are saying, you know, God has a plan for your life. We used to say that all the time. God has a plan for your life. But the plan, that word has changed now. We say, no, God has a purpose. Meaning that, you know something, you can plan out your life. You can take your day planner. You can map it out and say, my kid's going to be the next player in the MLB. But you know something? The probability, what happens if that doesn't happen? You ever think about that? What happens to the kid that gets to that year in college and the MLB doesn't happen? 
There's a void. There's something that's left empty inside them because they're like, I could, I know I can do this, but if that opportunity doesn't happen, something falls short and an emptiness builds in them because they've strived so long to get to this place and it doesn't happen. What are we striving for? What are we filling up our calendars and and, and just chasing after? See, King Belshazzar... Now, let me take a step back because I want to tie something off here real quick. When we think of that point of what we're chasing after, what are we passionately pursuing? See, God does have a passion and a plan for us. He wants us to align ourselves. When we submit our free will to him, he will lift us up. And you know something, something that, as we were discussing earlier, that, you know, we, we map things out. We try to be so structured. I'm saying, hear my heart here. I don't believe the Lord's saying that we shouldn't be wise in our planning and be good stewards in our planning. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, that we have to ask ourselves, who are we focused on and who is the foundation of our lives? Because if we have Christ and God, if we have God as the foundation of our life and God directs our plans, guess what happens? Life is good. In the journey of life, things are going to go awry. And maybe the MLB isn't what God's plan is for your life, but God has a purpose and a plan. Daniel, I don't think when Daniel was a little guy, he was thinking, you know something? We're gonna, I'm going to be a servant unto Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to be taken under Babylonian captivity. I'm going to be made a slave. I'm going to be done all these things. Do you think that was his plan? <laughs> Do you think he mapped it out? Do you think his parents mapped that out for him? No. But in the journey, Daniel learned that God had to be the foundation of his life, that no matter what came against him, through God he was able to overcome and succeed. Planning is good when Christ, when God is the center of our lives. King Belshazzar, even though he grew up in the home of Nebuchadnezzar in that kingdom, even though he, he knew he, he, he knew the stories. He didn't align himself, and he chose to live his own way. In our text in Matthew 5, 25 through 28, we read this. This is the inscription that was written. Men, many, many, tekel, pasin. Here is what these words mean. Many, a God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Takel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Belshazzar went to the seers and the rulers of that time, and they couldn't answer it. He went to a man of God, one who had been used and who had humbled himself before God, and God raised him up in, raised him up in the kingdom of Babylon. From a slave to a place of authority and leadership. And he comes and he speaks that word to the king. That was a tough word. But see, Belshazzar had dug his heels up against the Lord. He wasn't willing to subject himself but, and submit himself. But the powerful thing in this passage is this. I want to tie in this other point. And you say, well, see, 
when Daniel met with Belshazzar and he explained that, there was something that happened right before that. What happened was that Daniel said, did you forget? He gave glory to God. He said, to, the, to God most high. So it, before his interpretation, Daniel gave God all the credit. You hear, you hear where I'm going with this? He gave God all the credit before the interpretation. But he didn't just stop there. He gave God all the credit and said, nothing happens without God, God the most high. Your father had to learn this. Imagine saying this to the king. Your father had to learn this, that nothing happens that is outside of God's control. God is aware of every circumstance and situation. And then Daniel goes back and gives Belshazzar a breakdown, an explanation of the life of Nebuchadnezzar. See, Nebuchadnezzar thought that he could do things on his own. He thought he could just reject God and he could do his thing. And God stripped Nebuchadnezzar of everything. Scripture tells us even to the point where he was acting like an animal, cast out in the fields, until Nebuchadnezzar got to a place of humbling himself before God. So as Daniel is speaking to Belshazzar, he says to him, you know something, you didn't learn from history, you didn't learn the story, but here it is, you still choose to turn your heart and your life away from God. And you say, well, Pastor Dave, how does this relate to me? How does this impact me? It impacts us in this way because many of us are still living, we're living at such a rapid pace that we, we love God, but we put God off to the side. And we put our plans and our desires and our purposes straight in front of us. And then God is an afterthought. And we say, how does this relate to me? Because we still struggle with the same issue as we opened up with is that there's a selfishness, there's a self, self-interest, self-focus that we struggle with. We make our plans, and then we take God and try to put him in it. You hear me? But what happens, my friends, is God is the author of relationship, and he wants to be an active part, an active member in our lives. But what happens if you and I would take our lives, and we would say, God, at your feet, I raise my hands, and I say, God, my plans My desires, God, I give them to you. You do what you want in me. I always wonder, and even as I was reading this passage, what would happen if Belshazzar would have just come to the point of humbling himself at that point? Daniel 5.22, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Daniel calls him out. King Belshazzar would not humble himself. He, would, he set himself against God. He didn't want to learn his lesson. And he got to a place where his kingdom was stripped from him. I found this even interesting. was that, you know, before Daniel did the interpretation... He said this, the king had promised the magicians those before. He said, you know something? If you do this, this is a, you know, the kingdom is failing. He says, if you do this, I will give you a, a royal robe and you will be the third, the, the, you will be moved to a high ranking position in the kingdom. And Daniel's words speak volumes. Daniel says, keep your robe, keep your, keep your, keep your position 
don't want it. Because Daniel understood the principle of who he was serving. And in our text in Daniel chapter 5, verse 12, 14, and 18, let's just follow along in this. He said, he did not... He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, oh, let's, let's clarify this. He did this because Daniel, who the king called Belteshazzar, now we know Belshazzar is the son of who? Nebuchadnezzar. Belteshazzar is who? Daniel. You guys are awesome. Was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. So the king said, as we had talked about, call Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. I have heard that the spirit of, God, of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and, outs, and outstanding wisdom. Your majesty, the most high, and, I, and this is just as to reiterate this, your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. And that point is such a powerful point because of this, is that when we realize that everything comes from God, everything comes from him. He is the source of all that we need. And I love this part that when Daniel, he went, I mean, I'm trying to picture this. And if you go follow, I'm very visual. And I'm trying to picture this of, you know, Daniel talking to the king. And he says, you know, my king, everything comes from God. When we speak in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ, something happens. There's a spiritual battle that we all deal with every day. In the busyness of life, we deal with it. But there's something that happens when we say, I am going to take a stand for my God. I am going to live my life for my God. I remember I was, I was talking to Luke Scott, a baseball player. He used to play with the Orioles back in the day. And, and, uh, and I think he went to the Tampa Bay Rays. And, and he gave his life to God. And he was serving God. And this, it was a powerful story because as I was talking to him, he said, you know, when I played, I believe he was playing for the Rangers. It was, I think that's who he was playing for prior to coming to the Orioles. But he was telling me, he said, you know something? He goes, it was, it was such a difficult time for me because spiritually I was dealing with all this stuff. It was a, the program. It was just all these difficult situations happened. And then God opened the door for me to come over and play for the Orioles. And see, in his journey, he realized that circumstances in the journey of life were not always good. There were trials and tribulations. There were troubles. But guess what? As he lived for God and he was a voice for God when he needed to be, and he proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ in his situation, in the marketplace, things turned around. Troubles were still present, but he overcame because he knew who was with him. And the Lord Jesus helped him overcome. And when I heard his story and he was sharing that with me, it just really made me think of, hey, here is a guy who's given his life for God, who's in the MLB, who's doing all these things, but he's being a voice unto the darkness. He's being hope to the hopeless. He's living his faith. And I think of that when it comes back to Daniel, that in the midst of it, he had to be hope in a dire situation. He had to proclaim the name of Jesus. He had to proclaim God's authority and his power in a dark place. And he brought hope to those who were hopeless. And I think of that in comparison to us today. And I think to myself, can we do that today? If we humble ourselves before God and we say, God, I give you my life. I want to serve you and you alone, can he do that in us that we could be hope in our society today? That we could die to self and we could say, you know some God, I want my family to change. 
I want, well, let's, let's take two steps back because it bring us to, brings us to our, our big idea for today, and that's simply this. Live a life of sacrifice with this, serving God only. Can we get to a place where we say, God, may my life bring glory to you. Whether I am in the pit, whether I'm in the valley, whether I'm in a mountaintop, may my life bring glory to you. If I win, great. If I lose, great. Why? Because you're with me. Can we come to that place that we are proclaim the name of Jesus, that we live a life of sacrifice serving to God. I remember there was a brother of ours that, that just went to be with the Lord. He was a missionary in Mexico, and we had the privilege of meeting him here a number of years ago. And uh, he's a guy, young man. He was my age. He wasn't, he, and he and his family were ministering in Mexico. And I remember they would walk the hallways in the, in here as they were raising their funds so they can go to Mexico. And it, it, it spoke volumes to me because I would talk to him, and he had such a passion and a zeal that even though he would work marketplace here, get a little revenue, do those kind of things, he couldn't wait to get back to the people of Mexico. Because he wanted to be a light. He wanted to bring hope to the hopeless. But do you think, you think he only did that when he was there in Mexico, when, he t- when God took his family there? No, he did it also here. Because I remember as he would walk the hallways here, do things in the community, he would come to a place and he would give his heart and his life. And he was always proclaiming the name of Jesus. See, we don't only have to come to a place of living a life of sacrifice. But we need to come to a place to live a life of sacrifice which we need to invest our lives. We invest our lives by simply this. We start with this, with us. We look at ourselves in the mirror. We take that reflection and say, what do I see? Am I driven by the rat race? Am I driven by society or am I seeing something different in me? We then go from there to what? Coming to a place saying, God, can I live for you? Can I not only live for you, but can I live for my family? Can I live for those in in my community? God, whatever it be, I will serve you. And we do those things in committing ourselves to God. God is the author of relationship. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29 through 30, see, Daniel came to a place where he had to invest his life. Even though his circumstances and troubles and situations were there, he invested his life. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, it says this. It says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother and sister, or mother or father, or child or fields, for me and the gospel will fall to re- will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come eternal life. But this is a powerful va- verse in 31. It says, but many of you, but many who are first will be last and last will be first. See, God has a purpose for our lives, my friends. God is the author of relationship. But he, and he wants us to serve him, and he wants us to invest our lives. But he also wants us to do one more thing, and that's invest our livelihood. See, 
Belshazzar couldn't come to the place of understanding that everything he had w- was owned by God. He, couldn't, he thought his position, his circumstance, his situation, that's everything he needed. But there's something that happens when we realize that our finance is really not ours. Everything we have belongs to God. I used to use this statement a lot. I used to say, you know, when people would ask me about my kids, they would say, my kids are entrusted to me. They're not really my kids because God knew them before I knew them. Because the scripture tells me that when my kids were in, my, when my kids were in their mother's womb, God knew them. So when we turn around and we say, you know something, God, you have entrusted them to me. We come to a place of understanding that everything we have, everything belongs to God. Our finances, so many individuals come to a place and they, they store up treasures on earth. They get all these things and get all, you know, I remember individuals telling me, well, I have, I have, to, I have you know, individuals that have cars stocked piled because they have certain model cars and they have all these different things and they just store them up. But over the years, I've learned this, that the more we store up, eventually you'll become someone else's. No matter how we want to look at it, when we invest our livelihoods into ourselves, it will become someone else's. But when we invest our livelihood and who we are, and we realize that everything we are, and this is the key word I want you to take with you today, is stewardship. When we realize that we are stewards of what we have, we realize that everything belongs to God. That his, his, what we have, if he's blessed us with prosperity, if he blessed us with family, whatever he's given us, we realize it all belongs to him. I have to be a faithful steward of it. So when it comes to my children, when it comes to my life and my health, I have to be a good steward of what God's given me. When it comes to my family, I have to be a good steward of my family. So I have to try to encourage and invest in them. When it comes to my community, I have to be a good steward with my community. Now, how do you do that? We complain less and we do more. Because when we're serving God and we give our life in service, we say, God, when I'm in the community, I'm a marketplace minister. I'm like Daniel. If God gives me an opportunity and somebody says, hey, buddy, you're, you, know, you either succumb to this or you're, or you're going to get thrown into that fiery furnace. I could turn around and say, no, you know something? I believe in my spirit that God is greater than my circumstance and situation. I believe that you can cast me out, but I believe that God is with me and he will be with me and to help me overcome this situation. But we do it in a loving and respectful way where we glorify Jesus in the process. See, Daniel had to come to that place. So we come to a place of understanding What are we striving for? Everything belongs to him. Can we invest our livelihood? In the book of Acts, we read, and let's turn in the book of Acts real quick. If you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 4. We read of the early church. 32 through 35, it says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, 
from from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them. When we invest our livelihood in helping others, it's not just our finance, but it's our actions. It's going beyond financial need. It's going beyond just material need. But it's saying, I'm willing to invest in the relationship. I'm willing to sacrifice what I have because I believe that it all belongs to God to help meet this need. Can we live a life of service unto God? Can we do that with a sacrificial heart? Daniel did it through thick and thin, and God helped him overcome. The message for us today is that God desires for us to do the same. That in our dark world that we live, and we know the circumstances and situations we, ha- we struggle with, we have to come to the point of saying, what am I striving for? What am I willing to give myself all for? I can't answer that for you because I have to testify for my life to God. But each one of us who God has blessed us with free will, we all have to come to the point of saying, what am I striving for personally? What am I striving for for my family? What am I striving for in my community? What am I striving for in my church? Even in our house and classic service we have on a weekly basis, we have needs that just, just, you know, we're just sitting back and saying, just making coffee, shaking a hand, loving a neck, being the first person somebody sees on a Sunday because we don't know the journey we've all come down for. But guess what? When we come into this church, we are family. We, don't, we may have all different walks of life, but there's something powerful when we come together in relationship because, my friends, we were created for relationship. We can push that away all we want, but we were created for it. We were created to have relationship with God and relationship with one another. And we pl- went, if we stop striving for ourselves and we start striving for the things of God, that relationship will happen because we humble ourselves before God and he lifts us up and he gives us opportunity to make coffee, to set a table, to be a greeter in the back and shake a hand, to help someone in their first steps of getting connected into a life group. Because maybe they've never known what relationship is, and all of a sudden, now they know this is what relationship is. I can not just come to church, but I can become a part of a group that helps me overcome, through Jesus Christ, the situations I'm dealing with in my world. We were created with a purpose. My friends, we're at a place right now as the worship team prepares to lead us in worship, where we, get, we, have, a, we have an opportunity to make a decision and say, I'm going to strive. I want to, I want to change. If your change today is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, maybe you, you accepted Jesus when you were younger in your life, but you know something, over the years you've just gotten distant from him. Kind of like Belshazzar, you just kind of turned your back and started walking your own way. If that's you today, I want to let you know today can be a day of change for you. It's just accepting Jesus Christ, accepting who he is as the son of God, believing that he's a, accepting that you're a sinner. Believe, well, let me take a few steps back. Accepting God's plan of salvation, believing that he is the son of God and he can set you free from whatever decisions were made in your life. 
But then it's this third point that's so powerful is confessing our hearts to God and saying, God, I turn my back on you. Please, my friends, don't be like Belshazzar. Don't wait until the, 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 it's written on the wall somewhere in life that, you know, this is, you've, made, you've made these choices. Come to a place of saying, God, I need you now. Confess your heart. Confess the decisions and choices you've made and allow him to transform your life today. There are people that will walk you through this process and will love you through the process. If that's you today and you're making a decision to follow Jesus and to change your ways, there's a prayer team to my left, but it's simply accept God's plan, believe, and confess your heart to him. If you're here today and you just need to change, you've accepted Jesus, you've been living for him, but you haven't been really passionately pursuing his purpose, today is the day of change. And as we worship together, make a commitment to God to say, God, I want to strive for you from this moment forward. I'll do whatever you ask. You know my situation, but I give it to you today. If that's you, as the worship team leads, let's commit our hearts and let's allow his Holy Spirit to do what his Holy Spirit can do and transform our lives today. Let's stand before the Lord, my friends. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.